0: You would, on your bulletin, you have uh, the words uh, that we will be talking through for a brief moment. Um, again, it's Isaiah 52 verses 13 through 50 chapter 53 through verse 12. And as we open the word and we look at the word, there's something phenomenal that has happened and that is going on here is it cannot be explained any other way than God was orchestrating something that was getting ready to happen, that was going to happen in the future. You see, as we're reading Isaiah in these these, uh, brief moments, as we're looking at a prophetic word, and it's a word that is going to be fulfilled, like could never be fulfilled. This stuff cannot be made up. uh, Right down to every detail, everything that was getting ready to happen is spoken right here. And so we look at this through the eyes of on the other side of the Holy Spirit coming and allowing us as believers to see it, to read it, to understand it and say yes and amen. And it is so much broader and so much bigger than we can think. But as we read tonight, it says, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. And as I read this the other day and was contemplating on it, I I began to see echoes of eternity right here that I hadn't really seen before. But although he's talking about a suffering servant, he's talking about one in just a, in a few verses away from here that is going to die, is going to, to give his life as a guilt offering, but yet it says he will be high and lifted up. He will be greatly exalted. And just as many were astonished at you, my people, So his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. He was marred, and we see this going on in verse 15. It says, thus he will sprinkle many nations. You think about the sprinkling... There's a few things that we are reminded of in the Old Testament with sprinkling as one. Anything that was consecrated to the Lord, it was, had to be sprinkled with blood. Not only was it sprinkled with blood, but at times it would be sprinkled with blood and water and with hyssop, and it would go and it would clean the altar. And it would also go over the garments of the priest sprinkled with blood, and it's saying here He will sprinkle many nations. Well, what does this mean? It says kings will shut their mouths on account of Him. And this thing here that says shut their mouths, they will be startled, they'll be dumbfounded that cleansing would follow such a suffering. Can you imagine it tonight that you just sit here and we think the audacity of Christians thinking, man, there's Jesus who suffered Has now cleansed us and kings and nations and we don't go very far into Psalm two and, and I'll just read it for us. It says, "Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing?" The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs the Lord scoffs at them. Then He will speak to them in His anger and terrify them in His fury. And I just can imagine is that's what we're seeing in Isaiah saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. So the kings, they shut their mouths. But then it goes on to say, for what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. You see, this is a big news for you and I. And it is going into a future. It's a prophetic word that has been fulfilled right down to the very dot, to the very tittle. Every I has been dotted and every T has been crossed. And You see, Paul later on, he says this. In Romans, look, I want to go where no man has gone before. Why? And he quotes the Scripture right here, for what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. You see, that is you and I. We were not looking for this King. But yet He showed up. And now I see him. Now I understand him. You see, this night is for believers. This night is for us to look at what he has done for us and everything that he has accomplished through the cross. And it goes on to say, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. Uh, he has no stately form or majesty. they That we should look upon him, and I have these words written right in this text, it's like fully human. Jesus was God in flesh, fully human. Nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Again, let me say this fully God, but yet fully human. And yet he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him and I can only imagine as we're getting ready to walk through the next scriptures, is that if we looked upon this one on that day as he was going up the road and his body was marred because of the torture he had already faced, I am sure that you and I would have done the same thing and we would have hid our face from him. And even despised him. And even may have, we don't want to say this, but he ridiculed him, say, Who is this man? Look, he promised everything. Look at him now. And he goes on to say, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. He carried our pain. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but He was pierced through for our transgressions, for our sins, for our mistakes. He was pierced through. And He was crushed for our iniquities, and the, chastising, the chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, and by His scourging, by His stripes, we are healed." I remember an article that was written about 10, 12 years ago. It was by a lady, and she wrote about how Jesus suffered on the cross and. She was making the argument that He wasn't our penal substitution. He wasn't a substitution for our sacrifice. Instead, she had the the great bravery to put out there in the circles and act like this was good theology, that He was just an example of how to suffer. And that we should be willing to do the same. And I feel sorry for the lady because she got pounced on it, but rightfully so. Not that we were, not that people were being mean, but look, this is what he did. It was all fell upon him. And I want you to know that as we look upon him tonight, as we think about him and pause and reflect, we have to look at our sin. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us here tonight, all of us. You see, all of us have done this. This isn't just for a certain group. This is every one of us. We have turned our own ways, but the Lord has caused the sin, the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. And a literal translation is this, and Yahweh let fall on Him, Jesus, the sin of us all. And It goes on to say, He was oppressed and was afflicted. Yet He did not open His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth, he gave himself freely. And I was thinking this day, it's like Jesus is doing something that I cannot do for myself. How many times have I been angry? How many times have I wanted to defend myself when I had an oppressor at my door speaking things that were falsely and all I want to do is act out in anger and say, no, you are not going to do this to me. But yet, the one who had every right to say something said nothing. And again, I'm amazed at what Christ has done for us. By oppression and judgment, He was taken away. As for His generation, and this is a question, Who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? He's asking this question. Have you considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the sins of his people people, to whom the stroke was due? And That's what we're trying and we're attempting to do tonight is just considering what he has done for us. Because let's be honest, the stroke was due to you and I. And I want to read this to you because this is the price that Christ paid for us. I want you to take a moment and just think about what it says through Scripture in Colossians that. Our sins were nailed to the cross with Him. So what sin? Tonight, what sin are you reminded of day after day, moment of moment, after moment you're reminded of this sin, you're reminded of this mistake and you're wrestling with it in your heart and you're saying surely I cannot be free from this oppression from this wrong I have done. This is the good news. Martin Luther says this, and I wanted to share this with us because I thought it was so good. I think we need to just take it in. It says, but when we see that they are all laid on Christ, all our sins are laid on Christ, and He has triumphed over them by His resurrection, and we fearlessly believe it, then they are dead and have become as nothing. For upon Christ they cannot rest. There they are swallowed up by His resurrection, and you see now no wound, no pain, in him that is no sign of sin so I want you to think about it this evening is that your sin was laid upon him to be sucked up and I know this is bad language but to be sucked up by him and when he rose from the dead it was done there's no more sign of your sin it is done it is done away with you see that is what he did for us and it's not Jesus that we should weep for tonight. It's for ourselves. For some of us, this weeping of laying down our sins upon him, and saying, Jesus, I believe, and some of it is leaving those sins behind. we talked about this, is our identity. Our identity is only in Christ. But why do we identify with sin and we mark ourselves with sin when Jesus paid a price for us? Have you considered the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? He took it upon himself. And it goes on to say, and we know this to be true by the accounts in the gospels he his grave was assigned with wicked men yet he was with ri- a rich man in his death a tomb it was prepared for him Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. And I know that we have newer believers here, and and we always ask this question, could Jesus have sinned, and did he sin? And I want you to know, absolutely not. It is impossible for him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, and and it's just if, like, what needed to be done was being done right here on the cross. It's like he did it as a guilt offering. And it, this is where we start going into the echoes of eternity. And we see something eternal here happening. He will see his offspring. What do you mean? He's going to die. How will he see his offspring? And then it says he will prolong his days. And his offspring is what is seed. You may not think of it this way tonight, but I want to challenge you is that you are His seed if you believe in this message. He sees you. He knows you. And then not only that, He will prolong His days because of what He has done. It is eternal. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul he will he will see it and be satisfied right and there's all kinds of scriptures that begin to flow into these words and it is because the joy that was set before him he endured the cross and again i say this we weep not for christ we weep for ourselves Because He knew what He was doing. By His knowledge, the righteous One, My servant, will justify the many, and He will bear their iniquities. He will bear our sins. And as Romans 4.25 says, that He was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. And I know, I don't understand this all. Some of it's a mystery, but He gave us life for our sins, but His resurrection is everything because it justifies the many. What does this word justify? It, it's, it causes us to stumble at times, but it means we are righteous before God. We are clean. And I don't understand it because some in myself is like, I don't deserve to be clean. But for some reason, because I put my trust and my hope in the suffering servant who has died and rose again, I am clean before God. And again, my sins were laid upon him. And therefore I will lot with him a portion with the great. He will divide the booty with the strong. And that's telling us that his body will not see decay. God will not leave him in the grave. Instead, we can go back to Isaiah 52 and we see that in 13 that he is lifted up and he is greatly exalted. Why? Because he poured out himself to death and Philippians talks about that. Because he poured himself out to death, he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for their transgressions or for the transgressors. So let us, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And although it is a sorrowful thing to know that our Savior bled and He died for our sins, when we think on this moment tonight, may we have a different outlook when we consider Christ's passion as a sacrament that works in us and we suffer, now we consider it that we also work namely thus, listen, if a day of sorrow or sickness weighs you down, think how trifling that it is compared with the thorns and nails of Christ. If you must do or leave undone what is distasteful to you, which is often to me, think how Christ was led hither and thither, bound and captive. When you get down, does pride attack you? Behold how your Lord was mocked and disgraced with murderers. Does lust and pleasures thrust themselves against you? Think how bitter it was for the Christ to have His tender flesh torn, pierced and beaten again and again. Does hatred and envy and anger war against you? Or you seek vengeance... Remember how Christ with many tears and cries prayed for you and all His enemies who indeed had more reason to seek revenge, Christ Himself. If trouble or whatever adversity of the body or soul afflicts you, Strengthen your heart and say, Ah, why then should I not also suffer a little since my Lord sweat blood in the garden because of anxiety and grief? You see, because of what He has done, He has promised us rest. He's promised us hope. He's promised us peace. So I won't get into it right now, but that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. If there was no resurrection, the cross would have been for nothing. And we have every reason to tell the world of this hope we've found. We have every reason to tell the world of this peace we've found. In Christ Jesus. We are not like the world. In the sense that echoes of eternity go on and on for us. And then if to be honest with you, it wasn't till the resurrection that the, the world began to notice something of eternal value. The reason we look to eternity like we look today, you may not realize this, but Christ has defined it for us that He is the first fruit from the dead. That is why we look to the future for hope and not in despair. And you may not realize this, but history did not look at afterlife the same as it did after Christ. Because you cannot deny that that tomb was not empty. Now you can deny how it got empty. We can argue about that all day. But the historians say that tomb was empty. And trust me, they could have walked and checked the tomb out. There was nobody there. And so as we look today, and I realize this has to be more than me speaking. It has to be the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Is it Christ offers freedom tonight? He offers freedom every moment of our lives. And here's what we need to do. We need to respond. We need to be willing to say, Jesus, I trust your finished work on the cross, that my sin was laid upon you. I trust you. I don't feel it. I'm reminded of it every day but I trust your word, I trust